Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. A quick note before we get into the episode... Oversharing is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical or psychological advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. Hello and welcome back to Oversharing. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I am Dr. Naomi Bernstein. Welcome back to us another week. I get another week where I said I was going to try meditating and I didn't. Not even the nighttime meditation. I think I did a little bit of the sleep stories last week again to fall asleep. I mean, I don't know if you feel this or feel like most people feel this, but all of my anxiety really comes to me as I'm trying to fall asleep. Like I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing during the day. And like if I have a problem, I'll like move it to the, you know what I mean? Like I'll stay busy. I'll distract myself. Like I can do most things. But I feel like when I'm lying awake when I'm trying to go to bed, that's when like all the intrusive thoughts get to me, which is why if I'm doing a meditation, it's the sleep meditation to try to like get rid of those. But I feel like what you're talking about is like a is a little bit more almost like I feel like my way is like reactive and your way is sort of like a proactive proactive way to like manage your thoughts. And mine is like, okay, they're now they're overwhelming. Let me like do defense. Right, exactly. Which is better than nothing. But it's almost like you said you can prepare yourself better if you practice it throughout the day or when you're calm, because then what ends up happening is you almost sometimes you can get like a bad association with it. If you're like waiting until you're super anxious or your thoughts are racing Mm -hmm. and then you try it, then you're like, this isn't working. This is stupid I need to, I'm going to turn on the TV or I'm going to pick up my phone and scroll. And that's what takes my mind off of my worries. And then I can fall asleep. And then it kind of makes you lose faith in it because you're trying it when it's, you're already in a difficult state of mind, which is the idea you have to kind of practice it when you're okay and gain, you know, the skills and and focusing your mind where you want it to go. And then you can use it when things are a little bit tougher, but it's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. That's do it. That's it's better than nothing. I think. Yeah, no, I I see what you're saying. You're sort of like setting yourself up to not like it when you're only using it like defensively because you're already in a, a negative mood. It's like saying like you don't like confrontation and you only do confrontation when like you're in a heated argument <laughs> or to- about something totally. else or something. You're totally. Like- and I love the idea of people doing like, you know, associations are so strong. Our brains are wired in that way, like sensorial associations. So if you're going to try a meditation when things are calm, like aromatherapy and stuff like that. So you kind of have this association with this aroma and being calm and you know feeling relaxed and then you can bring it in when you're not feeling that way and it kind of triggers that part of your brain that's like oh right i remember this scent i remember this sound this audio track this thing that right. you can associate with a relaxing time that really does work that's a great point i mean it's interesting just to give i guess a little overview i like I, the last time i i did used to do meditation fairly frequently like a few times a week when i was single and I would be very anxious about like never meeting anyone. I remember like that was like a thing that kept me up at night. Just the idea that like 
I would be single forever and I would never meet anyone. And it was like, I would never do all the things that came along with finding someone. And then I found someone and I kind of stopped meditating because I was like, okay, right. like that, that was like my big, like, keep me up at night thought. And then this week I had a really bad week. I'll probably talk about it at some point, not I think at this moment. And it was the first time that I felt like I needed it again. And I wish that I had been doing it this whole time. So I would have. Right. Uh, I get it. It seems like a lot of effort to put in for, you know, that one moment when you need it. But it really is going to change all of your interactions and just the way that you look at life and just finding more joy instead of focusing. It just changes your focus. You decide right. where you want your mind to focus. Do I want to focus on the stressors and the unknowns and the things that I want to try to control? Or do I want to focus on the stuff that I know is here that's right in front of me that's also really good? And it makes sense. I mean, like you wouldn't, the point of like, for example, like a security system in your house is so you know that it's there if you need it. It's like right. you can't just get a security system when you're already robbed. Right. It's like not that right. helpful anymore. <laughs> totally. What or afterwards, it would have been like- twice? Exactly. Like it's much more, um, you know what I mean? It's almost like like an insurance policy against those things. And they do come up every now and then. Totally. Well, start with sleep and move from there. But even like I think we talked about last week, just doing it on a little small scale each day. Like if you notice just a little bit of upset in your body, you can come back to, I feel my cool breath coming in my nostrils. I feel my warm breath coming out of my nostrils. That's meditation. Just even one single breath is considered a mindful moment. And you could just do that at any point. So even if you can't find the time to sit and do it, just do that. Just find a moment when you're about to go down that rabbit hole of negative thinking, catch yourself and just right. cool air coming in my nostrils, warm air leaving my nostrils. And that hopefully can just bring you a little bit back to, am I going to choose to follow that rabbit down the hole? Or am I going to come back and say, I've been down there. There's nothing good down there. I'm not going down there again. You know, no fun. I mean, it's crazy because it's also like, I guess the idea like years ago, like 20 years ago, you kind of had to sit with those thoughts or do something. Now it's kind of like you have a phone, right? And the phone can either like feed into the thoughts that you're having by like Googling excessive amounts of things to like right. either soothe yourself or, or just like, again, like distraction through like social media or something like that. And I feel like that also yes. probably leads to digging in rather than taking yourself out of it. A hundred percent. You're exactly right. And it feels in the moment like you're escaping it or you're, it's like what we talked about last time. You're finding some control By Mm -hmm. finding a little bit more information, you know, you're going to go online and you could, I catch my mind going there where I'll just have a random thought about, I don't know, whatever it is, like, what is the cross between a golden retriever and a chihuahua (laughs) look like? And I can actually go on and like, find out the answer instead of just wondering in my mind. So I might like, wake up out of my half sleep, pick up my phone and try to find the answer to that, which is not going to be helpful, but it's actually out there probably if I wanted to find it. So I think that sense of trying to gaining more information makes us feel more in control. I don't think that's helpful most of the time. What we need to learn is how to tolerate not having information and finding our own calm without seeking it from external sources. And that's the hardest part because there's so many external sources and there is real information, but I just don't think it makes you feel better most of the time. I agree. I mean, like, because the truth of the matter is very few things are fully in your control. There are some things that are in your control, but most things are just going to happen. 
And like you said, like, if you could just move your mindset around being able to accept whatever happens, then I think that that probably the best way to serve yourself. Amen. Let's get into, I guess, today's topic. I feel like so today's topic is really and we have a few different we have a couple emails about this is cheating. And I'm sure you've worked with a lot of patients about and couples, I would assume, on like infidelity or cheating or stuff like that. Like what has been your experience in therapy with people dealing with that? Totally. I do a lot of couples work and a lot of couples only come in after, you know, there's the straw that breaks the camel's back, which is the cheating event. Because Mm -hmm. then it's like, I think I'm going to leave, but I may want to stay. And so let's try to figure this out. And one thing that I will tell people out there that I think is, you know, a stigma sometimes is like trying to work on it after somebody's cheated on you. And there's some shame there. And I think you know, as a therapist, I will put it out there that a lot of people will stay and work on the relationship. So there's no shame in doing so. They just don't publicize it, right? Yes. You only hear about it when they leave, usually. Yes, exactly. So if you're going to stay, most people, understandably so, aren't going to tell everybody in their life that the person's cheated and they've chosen to stay because of this shame, which is, you know, it's too bad because a lot of people do it, especially if you have kids or if you're married and, you know, so... I will put it out there that there's no shame in working on it. And I have a lot of thoughts in terms of how to go about it when you do choose to stay. Leaving is is a different story. And that's hard in and of itself because then you're kind of dealing with it by yourself instead of dealing with it with your partner. So when you stay, right. I encourage the couple like within reason, but you always there to talk about it. You always have to be there to support. You always have to be available to have that conversation. But if you leave the relationship, which is fine also, Mm -hmm. then you have to lean on friends and people whose fault this wasn't, you know, like when you stay, you get to lean on the person who did this to you and they are give them all the toxic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So other than that, you're going to leave, you're going to try to go to your friends, which, you know, hopefully you have a good support network, but people after a while, sometimes get burnt out because it's really, it's a really, really tough emotion right. to do. Well, that's also assuming that the person wants to stay with you, right? I mean, yes. sometimes people get cheated on and then left for whoever that person that the other person was with, which is probably the hardest of the scenarios because then they're not even allowing you the option to totally. to work through it with them. Yes, that is the hardest of the options. That situation is really tough. And I do think a lot of people will use cheating as an escape route, you know, like a cowardly Mm -hmm. escape route. I think a lot of young men tend to do that, like early 20s, you know, teens, early 20s, even up to mid 20s. And I'm not saying nobody does that when they're older. But most people, I think, have figured out how to break up with someone. But I think a lot of younger people will cheat as a way out. It's kind of like, okay, I'm going to cheat. If they find out, we'll break up anyway, which I think I may want. And if they don't, then I'll just get to kind of do both of these things. And they see it as not necessarily a win-win, but just as a placeholder until they're ready to pull the plug. That's an interesting thought on it. And now it's more, it makes them more annoying when you think yes. about them, right? Yes. What do you think of the idea of once a cheater, always a cheater? Do you believe any, to believe that? I know this is not a popular answer, but I think it depends. I think it really depends mm-hmm. on how, the most important thing is how are they communicating about it? And right. that I would totally will agree be, with that. that will yeah. reveal all. If 
they don't want to talk about it, if they're closed off, if they're shutting down, if they're telling you you're being, you know, calling you names for asking questions, or if they're being aggressive in terms of being able to communicate, not a good sign. But if they're open to the conversation, I think that that could mean a lot. I feel like that's true of that for sure. And anything else that someone has that's like a baggage that they bring Mm -hmm. into a relationship. So even if someone's like, I have debt and I don't want to talk about it, or I have like a little bit of a gambling addiction and I don't want to talk about it, like any other sort of like thing which maybe causes you to lie or betray someone or, you know, do something. I feel like it's much more about how you're, how they've processed it and how they, you know, how open they are to, improving the situation and how committed they are to not doing it again is much more important than like what's been done or hasn't been done. Totally. The truth will set you free. If you can be honest with yourself enough to the point where you can speak freely, and this goes to everything, every cycle, you know, if you, you know, are vulnerable about being anxious and you can talk to your partner about being anxious, if you're vulnerable about having episodes of depression and you can talk to your partner about having episodes, anything that you can own for yourself be honest with yourself about it and then communicate that to another person openly. That's kind of the ticket out in a lot of ways. For sure. You have a lot of emails that are like cheating adjacent or have things to do with that. Obviously, like it's a huge thing for a lot of people getting over it and dealing with it. Or if you're the one who's done it. Give me a quick overview. What are like a few topics that you get on cheating that you get the emails on? Gotten he's cheated in the past. How do I know he's not going to cheat on me? Or he admitted he had a one night stand, but he, you know, it wasn't a relationship and he deeply regrets it. Or I found out this thing later, or I saw a shady Venmo payment, or do you know what I mean? There's like, there's the whole sort of like gamut of it. And I think that there's a sense of, I think trust obviously is like the major, the cheating itself I think is almost secondary to the idea of of the trust, especially when the person hasn't told you. And I think those are two different things. One, when the person like comes clean to you and the yes. other when you've discovered it, because there is a sense of like, how can I ever trust this person again? If like I found like they didn't tell me I found this out about them. Yes. And like, what else aren't they telling me? And how will I ever feel sure that this person hasn't told me? And I've also seen ones where it's like they told me and I wish they didn't tell me. Because oh, now, hmm. now I know, and I almost like again. It's like less about the act and more about like the now. It's just like the constant fear that totally. it's happening. Someone's. I think I've seen where it's raised the question of like, is it almost more selfish to tell you because now they're absolved of the guilt and it's all on you to like process? Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Although I really feel, and this is a PSA for anyone who's listening who might be cheating with cheating on someone that they actually care and want to maintain a relationship with come clean because like exactly what you said, one, if the person has to be an investigator, they're going to put that investigator hat on and it's going to be really hard to switch that off. So if you can come clean first, it gives a lot in terms of the trust for moving forward because it sort of shows like, I knew you weren't going to like this. I told you anyway, And Mm -hmm. it gives you some confidence in their moral code, like they didn't have to do that. So I think that's a very good first step in trust building is the initial disclosure, not to say that it's 
shit's not going to hit the fan for months and months and months after that. It's not, I'm not saying that's going to be great or it's going to be fun. Right. You're immediately going to be absolved of all. Right. Well, I told you. Yeah. No. So it's not going to be that. But long term, if this is someone that you think you want to be with long term, long term, it's going to be better because they're going to, it's the first step. And that's the important part of, you know, in recovering from an affair is like just the honesty at the beginning, which is the only show of my actions are, I'm going to speak through my actions and my actions are going to show that I'm starting today and I'm going to be honest starting this moment. So you can right. mark the day, you know, June 17th was the day that I, all the words out of my mouth were true from that day forward. And if that can be true, that's a great way to rebuild right. trust. It's like when you see in like AA or something like, and I'm an alcoholic, it's the dipper. So yes. you're like, my name is whatever. And I'm an alcoholic. It's like, right. that's this is the my, day that like, you're starting. Day. Yep. Right. You're coming, you're owning it. I don't have much personal experience with cheating, only really the stuff I've heard from our mother growing up that's been like beaten to my head but mm -hmm. um about cheaters and how terrible they are and all that but it's my knowledge i haven't been cheated on so i don't i personally don't feel like super connected to tales of like infidelity but esther peril i did read her book which i thought was really really interesting it's called the state of affairs and it's okay. all about cheating and like all the couples that she's worked with and like the different reasons people cheat and the different like reactions that you can have to cheating. And I thought it was even if you're dating someone who's who's been cheated on in the past or if you've any you know what I mean? Like, you know, someone who's been cheated on. I think it's a really interesting topic just to see where they're coming from and, you know, how that could affect the way that they think about relationships after that. Totally. You know, there is obviously everyone has their different experience, but. For someone who's going through it, it was really helpful to read something like that to normalize your feelings. Like when you feel like a raging mm -hmm. lunatic because you're just constantly asking questions and you're every time you see the person, it's like there's like the hot white light right. on their face and the, you know, questions you're coming angry for all hours over and hours. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, it normalizes that to kind of be like, okay, that, you know, so on top of being cheated on, you don't have to feel like now you're turning into a crazy person and there's something like abnormal about you. So, you know, books like that, I haven't read that one, but you know, or even listening to something like this where you can get some reassurance that your reactions are normal. And then for the person, for the other person to get some reassurances that your feelings are kind of normal in the sense of like, I can't take this anymore. Like, I feel like I, you know, I can't take the questioning. I can't take the the arguing. I can't take the yelling. I can't take the screaming where it's like, okay, this is just part of the process. If you can right. read a book like that or listen to something and say, this is phase two. Totally. It's because the other person might be like, I can't keep paying for the same crime over and over and over again. And the other, and I could see both sides of like, the other person can't just like be forced to let it go. And the other person I can understand being like, well, I can't, there has to be a point where like, we move on either if we're not going to move because the cheater obviously they did this thing and we can get into the details of all that but they're working and they're trying you know in a lot of cases if they're coming to therapy they're trying really hard and they're taking a lot of verbal aggression and sometimes mm -hmm. even like throwing things you know stuff that right a lot of aggression they're taking a lot of aggression and if they get a uh, most of the time there's like a kind of a clockwork path where they get to a point at like a month in or even two weeks in sometimes 
two weeks to a month in where they're like, this isn't helping. Like I'm right. taking all of this. You're still really angry. This doesn't look like it's helping. I can't live like this for the rest of my life. And then yeah. when they come into me, I help them kind of work through that. But that's a very common reaction too. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the kind of thing where if you decide you do want to stay together, like you kind of like need therapy. Like I can't imagine. I guess you could pretend. The only way I've seen it where people work it out on their own is if they just decide to bury it. Like one person's just yes. like, all right, we're let's just we're never going to talk about it again. We're going to pretend it never happened. And you see that on, on last season of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How does that work um, out? I'm interested to see what happens like a year down the road from that if they're still on the show. Well, it was like a thing that happened 10 years ago, actually. Oh, and then okay. like they're from like sort of like a traditional Turkish family. And so like it was almost seen as like the woman's fault if her if her husband um, couldn't keep your man was, right was thing. cheating or something like that. And he was like cheating on her when she was pregnant. And then she this is what she's saying now is that like whatever she found it out. And then they just decided like. She decided because she was like about to have this baby and they already had all these kids. She was just going to like sweep it. He yep. said he wasn't going to do it again. They kind of like swept it under the rug. And then it comes out like 10 now, which is like 10 years later. And all the anger that she had because it's been it was revealed by like a different cast member. And now she's sort of like becoming getting the anger that she like Never put away. Let feel right. Right. Coming out then. So I think it does. It does all of it. It all eventually comes out. But I do think yeah. if it's the kind of thing where you are going to stay together, I would imagine the help of a third party is extremely helpful. For sure, because you have to push against your grain. And that's sometimes what therapy is. It forces you to do not your natural inclination. And if the therapist recommends X, Y, or Z, you're going to be forced to talk about it when you don't want to, or you're going to be forced to be empathic when you're not feeling empathic or, you know, whatever yeah. those things are that you if left to your own devices and everyone just does whatever they feel like you're going to end up back in the same situation because that's what got you here in the first place doing whatever you felt like right got you to this spot and i imagine being the person being cheated on if like you would have excessive conflicting emotions of like one day i'm like okay i'm gonna make this work and it wasn't a big deal and then in the other hand it's out of your mind like am i this like loser pathetic person that's just like taking what i'm just taking it and i'm not like there's no you know what i mean like like you feel the need to punish almost for your own self-esteem because you're probably like well if i don't if i just forgive then like what does that say about yeah. me that anyone can do this to me that there's no punish you know what i mean punishment. that's a huge part of it that's a huge part of it is like the shame and self-doubt on the person who's been betrayed in terms of how they move forward and and handle it and that's really hard because then you're dealing with that on top of you know all the other emotions that are right. coming up so much that goes into it this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. i can't say how many times i've thought i just wish i had one more hour in this day i probably do a different thing with it every day some days i would probably call a friend catch up other days i would take a long nap but either way, an extra hour would always really help me out. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I personally have been to therapy for many years and it has been so, so helpful, not only in prioritizing what I want what I want to spend my time on, how I want to live, 
but also helping me optimize my relationships and use that time more wisely, like use that time to create better bonds with people, more intimate experiences. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Overshare today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Overshare. There is nothing better than feeling yourself, especially when your denim looks and feels good. That's why Lee is a staple in my wardrobe, because everyone is an icon in their own right, and Lee makes denim so you can own your style and feel good about it. I got a few Lee pieces that I absolutely love. They've been a a wardrobe staple of mine ever since I got them. I just keep basically like switching between the two or three jeans that I got. Every time that I wash them, they get more comfortable and they get more fitted and more flattering to me. I love that they flatter every body type. They're timeless. So you can wear them at any point. I love that the jeans feel like comfortable yet flattering. I don't know how they do it. It's actually an art and they have mastered it. Leah's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. A classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG, what every other brand has copied for decades. Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com. That's lee.com to shop spring looks now. Let's read the email and we can take it from there but there's i mean we're probably just scratching the surface of all the things that you can even get into and so much i have so much so if there's any questions about this i i do love to really help people get through these types of things because there are ways through you just have to go through the right you, just you need can't to do the work yes you need to do the work and honestly i tell couples a lot of times and some you know a lot of times the betrayed partner doesn't like to hear this in the beginning but a lot of times if you do this the right way, your relationship can come out even stronger than what it was. You know, so I tell right. people the goal is not to get back to where you were because where you were, obviously, there was a problem there. The goal is to get to a better place than where you were. And sometimes having these conversations deepens the connection to the point where you're in a, a better relationship than you had. And it's, right. it's unfortunate that it takes an affair sometimes to get people to do it, to try to connect to go to therapy together, which is my other PSA, which is like, go to therapy before the affair. And we can talk about that another time, like, what are some of the signs and symptoms that there might be something brewing, mainly disconnection of some nature, but do it before because a lot of times this is what ends up happening when people are living too long in a relationship where they're not connecting emotionally. Right? It becomes like the symptom instead of yes, Exactly. For what's really going on. All right. Well, I'll, I'll read right, the email. Let's do the email. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Bernstein. Love the new podcast. Each time after listening, I keep thinking of my own interpersonal dynamics that I would love to hear your take on. Lately, I have been struggling with the concept of if people can change their moral foundation over time or if previous mistakes are most likely to repeat themselves. For context, I've been with my boyfriend for about two years and genuinely feel very happy and loved by him. We talk about a future together frequently, and he has done a lot to reassure me that I am the one for him. However, I am acutely aware of the fact that he has cheated on every single one of his exes. I found out about this pretty late into our relationship and would have said it was a deal breaker, but he has always made me feel very safe and loved in this relationship. 
We recently just had to start long distance because of our jobs. My mind has been going crazy with the fear that he will cheat on me now or is bound to cheat on me eventually if we do end up getting married. He has tried to calm these fears by telling me he is a new man and that those previous behaviors were just a product of his college fuckboy phase. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what you were referring to a little bit before. But he does not stand by those values and wants to be a better man for me now. I always hear the phrase past behaviors are the best indicators of future behaviors and want to hear if you agree with that sentiment or if people really can change once they find the one they want to settle down with. I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt. but My gut is really nagging me about this. Would appreciate any thoughts on the matter. Sincerely, reformed fuckboy's girlfriend. All right. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably go through this, even if not in a relationship, like in a early dating stage where they find out that somebody has cheated like, oh, how did your last relationship end? If somebody actually tells the truth about that, which is funny because somebody might tell the truth and you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going on another date. This guy cheated on his last girlfriend. But what's worse is if he didn't tell you the truth. Right. Which sounds like this guy kind of did because she said she didn't find out until later. Right. That he maybe lied about it in the beginning. Right. That's or omitted it about that. I guess. Right. Yeah. So that's not a good sign. Again, I don't think there's a one size fits all for this. But I do think his blanket reassurances probably are not enough. You know, just the general, you're the one for me. And uh, let's go on vacation together next summer. Right. That was my fuckboy stage to me isn't like a true. That's like a very like, superficial introspective comment. Yes. I was young and immature is different than like, to me more like I think if he had said like, You know, when I was doing that, I had a fear of like confrontation or just like being left or I have like a, you know, something about the commitment was like very scary to me. Like to me, there's not really leaving it to like a blanket phenomenon of like fuckboyness to me is not would not be enough for me. Totally. (laughs) Yep. I agree. I think that that's not but that's not to say, you know, I think for her, she can test it out by digging in a little bit deeper and, and, you know, and saying like, this is continuing to make me anxious, especially now that we're long distance. And I'd like to have some more conversations about it. This might be their make or break right here. If they're long distance, they just started long distance. She wants to talk more about this. If he's like, yes, I will sit on the phone with you for two hours, ask your questions. I'm going to share with you my introspection about why that happened. And I agree, not just college fuckboy phase. But like you said, I was insecure. So I needed attention from every, you know, pretty girl that came across my path or whatever it is, like just digging a little bit deeper, I think is going to show that he's actually able to be introspective enough to prevent this from happening again. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of like the past behaviors aren't indicative of future behaviors, or are indicative rather, I think there's something to that. I think there's I don't think it means like that they definitely will. But I do think the idea that someone could do something does indicate that it seems more likely than if they had never, ever done it and had a strong stance against it. To me, that would. Yeah. In terms of like probability, I would say that would be higher. Doesn't mean it's definitely going to happen. Right. It's true because it's also sort of like the, you know, you're ripping off the band-aid maybe the first time he did that he was like really anxious and it was like really uncomfortable and right. now he sort of has his sea legs in terms of cheating <laughs> and he's you know figured it out how to make it work so i would agree that you know 
he's probably more likely if he's done it before than if it's his first time ever cheating on anyone ever. And now it's going to be you when you've been dating for two years and he's telling you you're the one. Also, you don't know what he told anyone else that he was dating. I think words to me are very like, I don't know. It's just like he's telling you you're the one and he would never do this. But how do you know what he told anyone else that he was dating? Like you don't know. You really don't know what their relationships were actually like with any of these people. It could have been very different from you. It could have been very similar to you. And I think that's another thing to find out from him, too. It's like, what were these like connections like? Did you find these to be like more superficial relationships or did you find what feels different now than it was before? What makes it feel like so improbable that this would happen again? I think that this is a moment for them and he's probably not going to like it, but that's the question. Is he willing to do it even if he doesn't like it? So there's a couple things that lead to cheating. One, I think, is insecurity. And that's something that he has to look into and be willing to talk about. You know, is he going to be vulnerable enough with you to talk about why he did it? Perhaps he was insecure. Perhaps he was afraid of conflict, whatever his feelings are. And another big one is just conflict avoidance. So I think that she can do a version of what I recommend to couples after an affair, which is like unlimited questions. Like after an affair, (laughs) I'm always sort of like, I mean, I say unlimited, unlimited for a period of time, not indefinite and with discrete, you know, sort of smaller chunks. So you can do like an hour a day. Versus you're not going to have, you don't have to do five hours every single day of little, unlimited questions. Which little can text happen. at work. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if the questions are like not necessarily helpful to resolving it? What if the question is like, and how was she? Right. Or well, like, think, and where yeah. did you do it? And how many right. times did you, you know, yes. do it? And Which what is was very this bit? Yes. Yeah. It's very, very tempting to get into the nitty gritty. And that's where I always tell. Is that included in the unlimited questions? Part of the therapy is I tell the betrayed partner, you have to be responsible for your own emotional health here. So if you're asking questions that are making you feel worse with the answer, then you probably should take responsibility to stop asking those questions and not be, if you're looking to work on the relationship, you know, you can't be Mm -hmm. injecting yourself with more negativity, but sometimes people do feel better after asking some detailed questions because Otherwise, their mind is running wild with possibilities. You know, their mind might be going crazy with what the sex was like and where it was and what his feelings were for her. And so sometimes getting a concrete answer can help you feel like, okay, that's one less thing that I have to sit here and roll around it with imagination in my mind. Totally. Because it probably makes, because again, the betrayal of it or the mistrust of it probably makes you now replay all past events where there could have been something going on. Yes. So it's like when you took that phone call in mm-hmm. the beginning of my, you know, at th- when we were on vacation or when we, when you said you were going on a business trip, like what was, you know, yes. like, and so I do think it's good for the cheating spouse or cheating partner to be able to say, yes, that was her on the phone, even though she's not going to want to hear it. That was her on the phone. And this is what I was feeling in that moment. I was, you know, whatever the truth is, that has to come out. And the questions help the truth come out because ultimately, again, and this is really only something I would recommend working on if you feel like there is a long-term potential in this relationship because the work is long, it takes a long time, and it's for 
a long-term result, but it ends up, the worst thing that can happen is you lie about that taking that phone call or you don't answer that question or you, you know, sneak around the question and then you're pretty much recovered and then it comes out that something was different than what you said it was. And it was sort of like, I went through this phase with you where I was rebuilding trust and I was like believing what you were saying. Not only did you lie to me the first time, but when we were recovering and reconnecting in this way that now I feel we're even stronger than before, that was a lie too. So now it's like right, ripping open that wound, even if it's small. So if you're going to do it, you have to do it right. Yes. Otherwise, don't even do it. it seems don't like. even do it. Right. And that's so hard because... I was talking with Shira about Shira's our sister. Sorry. I was talking <laughs> with her about that moment where you like send a wrong text to some, like if you send a text that isn't meant for somebody and it's like the wrong text and it's like not, it's maybe not something that that person should see or hear or whatever it is. I've had a couple of those in my life where Same. you just yeah. get like this instantaneous physical like flush of sensation through your whole Anxiety. body. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's what's happening, especially if the unfaithful partner is caught instead of coming out with it. But even if they're doing a disclosure, they're going to be filled with that. So you're already so flooded that there's a huge temptation to lie or minimize or omit in those right. first few conversations to soften the blow. But that's why therapy is helpful because it can help, you know, sometimes I'll be even in the session. And if I sense that there's, that's what's happening, I'll slow everything down. That someone's lying. Yes. Okay. Or doing the thing where you're just going to minimize the answer, either lie or not tell the full truth or right. minimize something because you just can't take anymore. Mm-hmm. You're already like at that point where I'll kind of wait till everything calms down. And then I'll kind of be like, would you like to try that? Again, try that one again. <laughs> and sometimes they'll do it again the right way. And it's it's a great moment because it shows I'm doing it yeah. differently now. You know, is the idea that at the end of these sessions, when you've done all the work that you can forgive the person and just not be like triggered by it anymore or not be not affect you anymore? Or like, what's the no. what's the end? What's the best outcome in this situation? The best outcome is that when you are triggered, you can have the conversation in a way that doesn't feel explosive. so overwhelming and explosive that somebody's going to want to leave or abandon the relationship at that point that you know, we've had these conversations so many times, we know how to do this. Okay. And we're going to have it again. I've had couples where they're recovered from an affair that happened 10 years ago. And then there's and this happens, it's almost laughable. And I always feel bad for the people that are in it where it's like, there's a TV show that has like the exact scenario of whatever happened in there. Really, like they're just like, okay, we're just gonna watch it, have a movie night, right? And all of a sudden, it's like the you know the woman is the same, has the same look as the woman that you know, and it was like right. at the same. They met at the gym, and that's where they met at the gym, and it's like so triggering. You're lying in bed, and that can happen ten years later. And then, what does it look like if they're dealing with that in a healthy way? It looks like perhaps the person who's triggered pausing the movie and saying, I'm so triggered by this. Like, I am just getting flooded, like just expressing their feelings about it and just telling the other person exactly how they feel. 
ideally not being verbally abusive, ideally not, you know, like doing anything because it's really hard for somebody to be empathic when they're being verbally abused. So that's a big piece of it. You know, if you want to elicit the response that you're looking for, you can't come out with nasty names. And yeah, I mean, that was something I definitely learned in my relationship is that like people are much more likely to want to resolve something if you come to them with vulnerability and like sadness, which is a harder emotion for me than like anger. Right. But like if you're angry or yelling at someone, they just want to get away from you. Whereas like, you know, if you're sort of letting your guard down and going coming to it that way, which is so much harder, I think for me at least, then the person like wants to soothe you. Totally. A hundred percent. And that's, you know, and I find that with couples all the time. Unfortunately, I always tell the the betrayed partner, like, this sucks, but you're going to have like the lion's share of the work because you're going to have to work on doing that, mm-hmm. coming at it with vulnerability. And it usually is the outcome so much better. Like if let's just call it the woman was cheated on and the man, you know, is the unfaithful partner and she watches the movie and pauses it and comes at him with like, you know, cursing and screaming. And I can't believe you did this to me. And I can't even look at your disgusting face or whatever she's going to say to him. It's going to be very hard for him to lean in softly and gently. But if she's crying (laughs) and she's just like sad and, you know, more like she doesn't have to be quiet, but the words that are coming out of her mouth are more about how she is feeling in that moment and less about attacking him. He is so much better able to and almost wants to soothe and caretake and comfort and empathize and show remorse. It's in our DNA. That's really hard when someone is, there's certain facial expressions and physical motions that we are instinctually designed to be repelled by and get angry when we see those things. They're just, it's in our makeup. So if someone's coming at you aggressively, you'd have to fight against millions of years of evolution to like lean into that and get closer and be gentle and warm. Just not, we're not wired that way. So that's how that would look. It would look like that. And then it would look like the unfaithful partner being very open to set aside everything else that's going on, lean in, have that conversation, apologize again for the 50 millionth time, ask questions about how she feels, be curious about her emotions and just really lean into those emotions and you'll and you're going to have to do that periodically for the rest of your relationship right so hopefully it's a sustainable amount (laughs) yeah or just don't cheat in the first place and have conversations before you get to that point that's the easier way out right to deal with the the conflict situation so i think back to this listener i think that she can do a version of this question asking even though it wasn't her that he cheated on, I still think she can do a version of the question asking just to be emotionally intimate with him and say, these are the things that are running through my mind. These are the thoughts that I'm having. These are the fears that I have and see how he handles those questions. Right. And that would bring you closer. I would imagine if both people are honest, like that'll make the relationship even stronger than if they were, you know, if no, if it was never long distance and they were always just kind of like going on as they think that was just the, the only answer she got was the fuckboy thing. I think this is going to bring her closer if it's going to work. Totally. And mm-hmm. maybe he can be open and vulnerable and that's going to bring them closer. You know, if, if he can admit to some shameful parts of himself or flaws instead of just saying, oh, college fuckboy, like, was there 
shame was there guilt was there remorse how did you you know just really digging in right a hundred percent before they go long distance i think it's actually a great way for them to either become more connected and that will help with the long distance or break up and right because i also don't think the idea of like well you're better than these other people so i would never cheat on you is like right. particularly accurate i would yep. imagine most of the time because it's usually not a, a lot of the times it's not about the other person it's usually about the person who's doing the cheating, I would imagine. Yes, for sure. So I think that's another sign that a person is not ready to change is if they're blaming it on the other person. Because nobody's going to make you cheat. You could just end the relationship. Leave the relationship, right. It's more about the person, right. That's how they're dealing with the conflict within the relationship. Right. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly has a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There's no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So it's no big deal if you lose a button, spill something, or you just need to take a break. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. Get fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code OVERSHARING20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code OVERSHARING20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, Newly with two U's, with code OVERSHARING20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Obviously, cheating is very ethical in its nature. Let's do a Betch Assist email about just this topic. Hi, Jordana, Naomi. Really loving the podcast so far. I've got a quick question for both of you about what I should do about a friend in their relationship. Long story short, I've got a bit of proof that my friend's boyfriend has been cheating on her. Sad face. She has the same information <laughs> that I do. Don't include the sad face <laughs> if you're going to tell her. <laughs> she she has the same information that i do but i don't think she has connected the dots about what it means or she's choosing to stay blind about it or she's just in love however she's got a big international trip coming up with said boyfriend and i'd like to talk to her about the cheating is it worth it to risk ruining her trip or do i wait until afterwards to say something or say nothing at all i'm a bit stuck because i've been in her situation boyfriend cheating and me not finding out about it and i'd really hate for her to continue to move forward with the relationship and getting more in love when he's clearly stepping out on her she doesn't deserve this and i'd really hate for this to continue thanks for your advice interesting i mean she doesn't really give any details about how she's connected the dots and the other friend hasn't connected the dots right right so i don't know how accurate is what she's saying i assume like she seems pretty sure i guess yeah she does seem pretty sure let's go on the basis that she knows and it sounds like the other girl is maybe in denial and maybe she's having the same thoughts of like but i have this big international trip coming up (laughs) i don't want to ruin it my take is i do think that it's worth bringing up the conversation before the trip because 
I think when you do, and I don't know if they they travel often together, but I think when you do a trip like this, it really does bring you closer and you create all these memories and have all this connection. And I think that might make it a little bit harder for her to get over the breakup after having such an intense emotional experience. I'm sure they take a ton of pictures and like all that stuff. So I, I would bring it up, but I would bring it up in like a I kind of way, not in like an accusing way, but just sort okay. of like, this, that, and this makes me concerned. And then that's the most that you can kind of, right. And then, then you've done your duty. You've brought it up in a light, gentle way. And now she has the option if she wants to deal with it before the trip or after the trip, but you've done your duty as a friend. And I agree. Letting her know. Yeah, I agree. She shouldn't be like, and we all know that like Brad is cheating on you. And you should dump him almost like not like giving her directives, but just saying like, this thing has been weighing on my mind. I just wanted to talk to you about it. And like, just cause I would want to know. Right. Or, oh, and she had this happen to her. So she sort of yeah. can put it, she can make it kind of like about her a little bit. You know, I just want to, this has been like weighing on me. This happened to me. I would, I would want to know if this were happening. I'm just going to tell you what I know and you can do with it what you will. Obviously, it sounds like she knows the same things, which is interesting. And I'm curious to see how she would handle it. But then at least it she's done her part. It gives the friend the opportunity to say, oh, that's not what that is. That's this or that's that. Or he explained that to me and like, we're leaving right. on our trip. Bye. But at least you've yeah. done your part. And that's her choice. And like, if that's something that she wants to do, I think that you have to let her play it out on her own. Most people don't do things because someone else told them to. Yes. And if she's feeling like in denial or very defensive over the relationship, then like let her have that. But I think if you're her friend, you've done all that you needed to do just by saying what you know and giving her the opportunity to have someone to talk to about it. Because again, like maybe she kind of feels like she's kind of embarrassed about this thing. She doesn't want to like say it because she wants to protect the relationship. But if you're kind of like opening the door in that way and saying like, I've noticed these things that make me a little worried about you, then she can either like lean into that opportunity or continue to deny it. And that's kind of like her choice, but you've already done all you need to do. Yeah. I do think the approach is important the way that, and I agree as a friend, it might be really nice for you to do it softly and non-judgmentally so that if she doesn't end it now, but she decides to end it later, that you're someone that she can talk to about it. That's, you know, going to be supportive instead of making her feel badly right. or shameful like we talked about like the shame and staying with someone once yeah. they've cheated now you don't even want to go to anybody because you feel stupid or like they're going to judge you yeah i do think there's the possibility though if she does say something that the friend like maybe distances herself for, if she does choose to stay with the guy for whatever reason i mm -hmm. could see her and she should be prepared for this for her potentially distancing herself from this other person especially if what she's saying is true because if she's not ready to face that reality, then this is the person who's sort of been upfront with what's going on in the reality. And so in, a, in an effort to avoid that, she might avoid the friend a little bit. Too. I totally agree. Happening. So yeah, you, you're going to have to be, like you said, I think prepared that this may change your friendship, perhaps, but you can rest in knowing that you did the right thing and you did what you would have wanted someone to do for you. Right. One other ethical dilemma I just wanted to, I know we're a little short on time, but I wanted to bring it up because I've seen this question a lot. I don't know if I have any specific emails yet on it, but what if, let's say you hook up with a guy and then you look at his Instagram and you see as a girlfriend 
Should you message the girlfriend? Tell her that you guys hooked up. I've seen that question a lot on you up. Right. Oh, interesting. You don't know this person. Right. Is it your duty to tell her that? Oh, gosh. Um, This is one where I wouldn't, if, if this was in my therapy office, I would not be giving direct advice. I would kind of be playing the whole like, well, what would be the benefits? And, right. <laughs> well, because I don't think there's one right answer here. Um, right. I think it's sort of what would be the benefits and what would, you know, if you're doing it to kind of get back at him, I don't know that that's the best reason to do it. If you're doing it because you genuinely like have care for this woman and you want to help her. And I think the way that you approach it is going to be, it's going to be different depending on what your motivations are. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I think I wouldn't do it because I don't know anything about their relationship. I don't know if they have an understanding. I don't know if like, and I agree. I think most of the time it's usually, even if you won't admit to it, it's usually sort of as a way of like getting back at this guy who like maybe mm-hmm. hooked up with you under false pretenses or something right. like that. And it's almost like you don't know also how crazy people are. Right. right. So like this other, you might just be throwing yourself into like a completely insane mix of totally. like two very crazy people maybe. And someone's like going to get revenge on you or someone could be like, wanting to you know what i mean either one of them maybe right. i would just like almost like stay away from like the i think jared has said this before like it's like a, a house that's on fire because especially if you didn't know i don't think you necessarily like owe anyone to be yourself getting involved in this situation it's one thing if you're like having a long-standing affair and you know everything and you know what i mean like right. you know you're deeply implicated into the ups and downs but I don't know. To me, I'd be almost like a little scared to involve myself in in some other potentially like extremely dramatic. And I don't know. Yeah, I actually I do agree with that. I don't think there's any reason to inject more negativity and drama into the world. If this was a friend, someone you knew, someone you like, somebody you cared about, that's different. But if it's a total stranger, I agree. I would just steer clear. Yeah. And they'll find out eventually, I think, on their own. I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, and Maybe that's not. their path that they're on. You're not really in their life as a, as a player that gets to influence that for them. So yeah, I would I would agree. Yeah, and if you didn't know, you truly didn't know, then like this isn't really your thing to work out. This is someone else's thing to work out. Right, and it's just, cre- you know, sometimes these situations, if there's unhealthy players involved, it just creates a lot of drama, like you're saying, and a you know, right. some now you're going to be texting you at work and asking you questions about where and when and how and who. And right. you're just, you know, or maybe yeah. the other guy finds out that you told her and now gets very angry at you and starts also texting you crazy things. Like, who knows? Right. Totally. I don't know. It's very like potentially dangerous situation. Should we do some triggered? Let's do some triggered. Triggered games. I'm going to rate the triggers scale of one to ten. Becca, should we play the first one? It's a voicemail. Hello, oversharing podcast. I wanted to share something for the triggered. I was on a flight and I was playing the Delta flight with the screen. I was playing a little game, the word scramble, you know, some bored as hell on this flight. And this woman starts touching my screen and she came up with a word on my screen. Should I be triggered? Should I hit her in the face. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But I was, I was just appalled. Like people argue over who gets what, like armrest in the middle seat. 
I definitely get my own screen. I don't know. So what you think. Am I being dramatic? Would love to hear. Love you guys. Okay. <laughs> that was That's very funny. Very funny. And that is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you always say, I don't know if it would be triggering, but it is kind of weird. It might be kind of annoying. I would give it like, I would give it like a two because I think it would be, I would almost like it because it'd be like, okay, this is a great story. Like, right. This is absurd. <laughs> Assuming right. I wasn't like that invested in the game, I think I would have to be like pretty like. Right. Like it was the last word you've been trying to get it for like 15 hours. minutes and then she comes in and she's like, oh, that's what it is. A, and it's like dejecting because you're like, oh, I, <laughs> you're so much smarter. You just came in and like found the word in two seconds. Right. B, you've just taken all the wind out of my sails. I think I would like it. I'd be like, this is a great story. This person's crazy. I don't I mean, even look, think I would say anything. From her perspective, she probably thought that she was being like friendly and fun. And like, you know, like if the, if someone did that at a bar, maybe you might feel like if you're playing like one of those games at a bar and like a cute boy came over and did that, you'd probably be like, right. oh, like that was. He likes me. Right. right. <laughs> this is not that scenario. But, um, I think the sentiment was the same. Like, let's have a connection here. Right. I think it's low triggering because it doesn't seem personal at all. Like, seems like she would have done that to anyone who was sitting there. Yeah. And I feel like things that really trigger me are usually things that are pretty personal. Unless like, again, unless she was like, a lot of my self-esteem was riding on getting this. Right. I also think there is a piece of like your privacy, not privacy necessarily, but like, now for the rest of the flight, I don't know how far in, she has to feel like this person's kind of watching her sitting yeah. within inches, like within centimeters True. of her. And now she's like looking and watching what I'm doing. Like I don't have any feeling of privacy right now at all. So that could be sort of triggering. I was once on a red eye. I was in a row. There was an empty seat in between me and this other woman. And she, I guess, fell asleep and like put her arms around me like while she was sleeping. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> I felt very uncomfortable. Oh, she so was like, she was like, hold it. Like, she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I thought you were my fiance or something. But then she did it again. That was a very oh, uncomfortable flight. My gosh. Wait. So, how long did you sit there before you like found your way out of that? I mean, it was tough because it was like in the middle of the night. It was like a red eye. So, it was like in the middle of the night. And I was like, right. I'm not even like, time was. I was like, I was almost half asleep, but I was like, kind of get off me. But also, I think I just let her because I was just like, I can't. Again, I'm going to be sitting. I can't really get away with not sitting next to this person right. for the rest of the flight. So, so I'm just kind of like snuggle. We got to do it. I mean, she was <laughs> kind of doing that. It was very it was very weird. That's but awkward. yeah, plain boundaries. That's some conflict avoidance on your part. At Probably. I, could, I mean, what know, was I supposed to say? Like. I get it. Um, very, it feels very how would you rude say to be like, get, I would have probably just moved. I think I kind physical. of did that. And then she like woke up and she was like, oh, I'm sorry. But okay. then she did it again. Oh, gosh. That's what I'm saying. Then she like fell asleep again, where it almost like didn't seem like an accident. And I was like, oh, okay, if gosh. you were a man, I think if she were a man, I would have felt like a lot more comfortable being like, please, get like, right. get off. I don't know. It felt less invasive. It, maybe right. It wasn't that, like, it, um, it didn't feel like aggressive or like he was trying to do like she was trying to like do something perhaps to you. It was just, right. Um, oh, wow. That's really funny. I don't know. I forgot about that until this moment. But yeah, on a plane, any situation where you can't like confront someone and then if it doesn't go well, just leave. I think it's yes. very hard for I don't like confrontation in general. But to me, that's like the worst case right. scenario. 
Now you're you know? sitting there for so many. But I think any normal person would, they would be the one that would feel uncomfortable. I don't think anyone would be upset with you or think, what a bitch. She didn't let me snuggle with her on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i should have used that to practice i guess my conflict tolerance yeah well you would have just been like sorry could you just please i don't know if i would have even verbalized i think i would have acted like i was trying to preserve her sleep but just like gently put her body parts back on her chair on herself on her own (laughs) self yes that's really funny i'll try that next time oh those are good send those in if anybody has those <laughs> for plane, especially that's really yeah. funny. Yeah, plane series. Um, All right, let's do another one. Okay, let's do another one. I broke up with my boyfriend of four years six months ago, and have never been happier. However, ever since the breakup, I've had several close family members and friends tell me how much they have always hated him throughout our relationship. I'm currently in a very happy and healthy relationship, so I try and let the comments slide, but it still hurts my feelings since I spent a significant amount of time with my ex. I see clearly that my ex never treated me the way I deserved, but that doesn't mean I wish him any ill will. Everyone is entitled to their own opinions of him, and I've clearly moved on. So how triggered should I be? What do you think? Yeah, she's saying this is about like that she doesn't wish him ill will, and maybe they're, they are saying like really mean things about him, but I think this might be more about perhaps her feeling like everyone was kind of thinking this behind her back for four years and never said anything that I could see being kind of triggering. Right. I think that part of it and also almost like feeling a feeling of a sense of like embarrassment of like, okay, like I've processed this as just a relationship that was like, that didn't really work out. And you're processing this as like sort of this embarrassing person that I dated for that long. Right. Like I should be ashamed of because sometimes who you date feels like a reflection on you. So I wonder yes. if that's part of it where she's like, oh, like everyone thinks she was dating this loser for all these years and she's the kind of person who would date them. I think right. that, that would be a fear of mine, maybe. I but I do that. think they're saying it as a compliment of like, sometimes people say that when they're like trying to like make you feel better about your decision. Right. Right, exactly. Like, oh, this is definitely the right decision. Don't look back. Everyone hated him anyway. Um, Right. So I think they're saying it to try to be nice. But to me, it would be more triggering if they were like, we always loved, you know. Yes. Whatever. Oh, I'm so sorry. Are you sure? Right. You know, you guys can't work it out. Like, that would be so much worse to me. But I could see being annoyed on the other end, too. I'd give this a six, maybe a seven. Seven. Yeah, I could see. Like you said, I think the other one, the reverse would be like a seven or an eight, but I would agree with a a six. I think it, you know, it probably touches on her own insecurities of, of dating him. And also I think she's the only one that probably saw, you know, that had all the connection and the good times and all the the stuff that made it great. And they're not accounting for any of that. So it makes her look kind of crazy. Like, how did you date this guy? All he did were these things that he did in front of us that we didn't like. I'm sure there was a lot more to it that she's probably feeling like, but you don't totally. even know. Like he was a pretty good guy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Cause sometimes who we date feels like a reflection on like who we are. So if someone doesn't like who you're dating, it can kind of feel like they don't respect you if they don't respect the person that you've right. chosen. And four years, six, you know, four yeah. year relationship. That's a long time. Let's do one more. Okay. I love, love, love the new podcast. Quick triggered scenario that I would love to get your opinions on. Would you be upset if a coworker told you that you were quote unquote punching above your looks with your husband? 
Someone said this to me at a social gathering. I think this got cut off. Yeah. Someone said this to me at a social gathering for work, and I was low-key super offended. Can't wait to hear your take on this. I think that's offensive. Yeah, I would that's say. That's extremely offensive. Yeah. I would say, and it's funny because I think that this this is sort of a double standard. If someone said this to a man about mm-hmm. a woman, it would be like he would be very complimented and yes. like like it. But I think saying this to a woman is a lot more offensive than saying it to a man, right or wrong. That's not okay. But I think societally, I would be pretty offended. Right. There's like a, you know, someone once said to Jeff, which, you know, wasn't offensive to me, but something like, oh, you married up. And he's like, what? Whoa. Whoa. I don't think he was like, I don't think he felt flattered by that comment. Right. I think he was sort of like, what what does it say about me? Like, what do you, what do you, I don't know. I don't know how he felt about it, but I didn't mind the comment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's flattering for the other person, but I think to say this to a woman punching up. Oh gosh. This is not nice. And I also wonder if it was a woman, then I would have to feel afraid like this person's like after my husband. Right. Yeah. It's also just like a rude thing to say. Oh, rude. This sounds like a drunk thing. I do feel like guys say that to each other a lot. Like she's out of your league or like, you know what I mean? Like no woman is proclaiming that her husband is out of her league. I've never like men say that all the time. Right. Yeah. It's like a cute flattering thing. Right. There is a difference there. Like people find it okay to say this to a man and it somehow feels like flattering. But when you say it to a woman, it seems very offensive. I think it's offensive on either end when you would say that to somebody. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, Yeah, I would give this like an eight for sure. I agree with that. I would try not to take it too personally, (laughs) but I would probably think about it for a while, which is, you know, sad. Yeah. I mean, look, this person's opinion means nothing, but it was just very rude. Sounds like something somebody would say if they were under the influence. I don't think most people would say that sober. It's very rude. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think we solved these interpersonal issues today. What do you think? I hope so. I hope we help some people keep sending stuff in. We love to hear from you. All right. I think that's our time. Great work today. Oversharing is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Salz mccat Editing by Basilio Perez. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Send your advice emails to oversharing at Betches.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-363-6294. Betches.